Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We want to read one verse this morning as we begin the message. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for everyone who's come out on this first Sunday of the year 2022. We thank you, Lord, for a new year. We thank you for a new beginning. And we thank you, Lord, for what lies ahead in this year. And we don't know what that might be, but we thank you that you do and that you're sufficient for everything. And Lord, we just trust you today and we ask that you might do great things through us and through our church in the year 2022. I pray that you would use the message today to speak to our hearts and I pray that this might be a year that we truly honor you, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, what you've done for us, and what you're going to do for us. Bless this message and give enablement to bring it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord on the first Sunday of 2022. Sometimes people say it's a good idea if you go to church. Because coming to church seems like a good idea to people, but really that's not properly stated. It's not a good idea to go to church because really it's not man's idea at all. Going to church and the church itself is God's idea. God is the one who established the church, his body. God is the one who's building his church, and God is the one who commands us to attend church. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So it would be better to say, and it's proper to say, we should obey God by going to church. We should obey God by assembling together in a local church. You see, God in His wisdom has ordained that He would call out of humanity a people for His name. He calls that called out people the church. In fact, the word church in, in the Greek is ekklesia, which means a called out assembly. And the Lord makes clear in the Scripture that He desires for people in a locality to assemble together, people who are part of the Lord's body, His church, in a local area there to assemble together and form a local church. And so the Bible speaks of local churches. In the New Testament, we read of the, the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at Galatia, the church at Philippi, and the church at Thessalonica, and the church at Colossae. And I often tell people when they say that they don't go to church and they're not interested in church, I tell them, you know, the church is not man's idea. The church is not something that man dreamed up. It's God's program. It's God's, it's God's command that we go. And the church is a divine thing formed by the Lord himself, and he desires for us to go to church. In fact, he commands it. In the book of Revelation, the Lord emphasizes that local church aspect when he speaks to seven local churches and he gives the name of those churches. 
He mentions the church of Ephesus and the church at Smyrna and at Pergamos and at Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. All of these were local churches important to God and God addressed them with particular message. Back in 1872, a group of believers in this area got together and they formed, they established the Sugar Run Baptist Church, which was later in 1992 renamed the Sugar Run Valley Baptist Church. Our church is a local church that exists for the purpose of worshiping God and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul defined the purpose of the church in Ephesians chapter 3, and I'd like to look at you to look at it with me. I read just verse 21, but let's look at beginning in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 3. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So God says one of the church's purposes is to let principalities and powers in heavenly places. That's the angels. That's uh, uh, even the devil's angels. Uh, those people, who've, those uh, angels that have fallen. Uh, God wants the church to be used by him to, to show the wisdom of God. Now, we might ask sometimes when, when uh, the angels look at local churches, do they think God is wise? At some local churches, they would look and say, my, this place is all upset, people are fighting each other and all of that, and it sure doesn't bring glory to God, and it doesn't show the wisdom of God. But that's God's desire for us to show wisdom to those, those spiritual beings who look on. He says, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith, by the faith of him, Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, now Paul is saying this, for this cause I bow my knees. In other words, he prays for them, and he says this, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of God which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. God's purpose of the church, in the church, of the church is uh, for the principalities empowered to see the wisdom of God and also for us to understand the depth and length and height of the love of God. It's our, it should be our desire to know more about God and how he loves us, and that's one of the purposes of the church. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly of all that we ask or think, according to the power that work, worketh in us, and here is the key, verse 21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. God's purpose for the church is for him to get, receive glory from us. We are to function so that we bring glory to God. So I want to look at that this morning, and I want to see God's purpose for the church. Our, our church is a local church, and God has a purpose for it, and that purpose is, is emphasized here in verse 21, to bring glory to God. To sum it up briefly, we could say this. God wants his church, our church, Sugar Run Valley Baptist Church, to honor him. 
That's summed also up also in 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Romans 11.36 says, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory, um, to whom be glory forever, amen. And then Colossians 1.8 says, and he is the head of the body of the church, and then it goes on to say that in all things he might have the preeminence. He might have preeminence in our church. It's all about him. Our purpose as a church is to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want us to talk about some of the ways that we as a church bring glory to God. There's four ways that we bring glory or honor to our Savior in this 150th year of Sugar Run Valley Baptist Church. In April, we will celebrate 150 years. And in this 150th year, we should bring glory to the Lord. We should honor the Lord through our church. And I want to give you some of the ways that we can do that. First of all, we can honor our Savior by being faithful as His servants. By being faithful as His servants. Faithful means loyal. Faithful means dependable. We are to be faithful servants of our Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 4, Paul says, he reasons this. He says, I don't really care what people judge me, how people judge me. That's not important to me. What is important to me is he says, is he that judgeth me is the Lord. And it's interesting that that chapter follows chapter 3, which speaks of us appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. It doesn't mention those words, but that's what it's talking about. And it says, as we appear before the Lord, every man's work shall be made manifest. God will determine how we've lived, and he will show that, and he will reward us or take away rewards based on how we live for him. And so Paul says, he that judgeth me is the Lord, and therefore the Lord is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Paul wanted to be faithful, and we should desire to be faithful. As we look at this year, we should desire to be faithful. And I'm going to give you some areas that we should be faithful in. First of all, we should be faithful to read God's Word. All that we preach about, all that we believe is found in this book. And if it wasn't for this book, we wouldn't know what we know about God. We wouldn't know the way to heaven. We wouldn't know how to live. We wouldn't know what's coming. We wouldn't know any of that without the Word of God. The Word of God is very important, and God wants us to be faithful in reading His Word. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, and one of those ways that we can be faithful is in reading His Word. 2 Timothy two fifteen says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. Study what? The Word of God. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. And so... If you're a Christian, and I believe most of you are, then if you're going to be faithful to the Lord this year, you're going to have to be faithful in reading His Word. I emphasize that you read your Bibles through. I know some of you have done that. By the way, you need to let me know so I can get, we can get your certificate by next week. But uh, if you've read your Bible through, but I encourage you to do it again. We'll have some new reading, Bible reading schedules available for you. But I encourage you to read your Bible. Even, even though you don't read it through, just read it every day. The Bible says we're to do that. We're to study to show ourselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
The Bible says in, in Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against God. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How can we walk in this dark world without the light of the word of God? We need God's word. And so if you're going to be faithful, you need to be faithful in reading God's word. Also, you need to be faithful in prayer. Reading God's word is God talking to you. Prayer is you talking to God. The Lord says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. That means you're all the time praying and in the attitude of prayer. You can talk to the Lord just any time. And so we should be praying. I send out prayer requests quite often to you as a congregation. I hope you don't get frustrated because I do that, because it's important that we pray. When somebody sends me a prayer request and asks me to uh, let people know about that, I'll send that out. I don't send out everything because some of the things we pray about, asked to pray about, you all don't know the people or know anything about them. But if it's somebody that's close to our church, then I'll send a prayer request out. That's important that you pray. It's important that when I send that out that you respond because those who have requested the prayer, uh, it encourages them to know that somebody's praying with them. And so it's important to pray, and God wants us to pray. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. In everything make your requests known to the Lord. It's God's will that you be faithful in prayer. Also, you should be faithful to witness. Faithful in this year of 2022 to witness, to tell people about Jesus. Carry a track with you. Uh, be ready to tell some people somebody about the Lord Jesus. Be, be ready to share your testimony, what Jesus has done for you. Need to be faithful in witnessing to the Lord in this year. Also, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, concerning that, and ye shall, be wit ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. You shall be, not you can be, or you, if you want to be, you shall be witnesses. God commands us to do that. He also tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're to, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so we tell other people, be reconciled to God. We are God's ambassadors. And in, in 2022, we need to be aware of that, that we are to be faithful in witnessing for the Lord. Also, we're to be faithful in coming to church. That's very important. Hebrews 10, 25, we've already read it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. That day approaching is the day when the Lord's coming back. So the Lord's saying this, I could come back just any time. It might be today. It'd be a good idea that you're faithful in coming to church. No, I correct myself. I said that wasn't the right way to say it. It's not a good idea. It's God's idea. <laughs> And it's commanded that we do it. So we should obey God by going to church. And that's important, faithful in, in, in going to church. Also faithful in giving to the Lord. Sometimes that's a touchy subject. People start, they're just fine if you mention everything, but don't touch the, their pocketbook. <laughs> you know, they don't like to hear that. But God says that. God says be faithful in giving. The Lord says he likes a cheerful giver. So if you come to church some Sunday morning and you know that you should give a certain amount, 
but you really don't want to, and I mean it really pains you to put that offering in the offering plate, I would advise you to keep it. God doesn't need it. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. It's an opportunity for you to give to the Lord. And the Lord loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't like a giver, a giver that gives grudgingly. We're, we're not to give grudgingly. We're to give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. And by the way, in Malachi, the Lord says this. He says in, in, in Malachi, let's see, verse 3, verse, chapter 3, verse 8, God asked the question, will a man rob God? And then the person, he says, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And the Lord answers, in tithes and offerings. Now, God said that. I didn't. So God says, if you don't give to the Lord, you rob God. And so you should give to the Lord because God tells you to, God wants you to, and you want to. I mean, it's a privilege to give to the Lord. So if you're faithful in 2022, you've got to be faithful in giving to the Lord. But then there's another area we can be faithful in, and that is we're to be faithful in letting our light shine. Our light shine. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, we live in a dark world and we are the light of the world. And the Lord said we should let our light shine so that men might see our good works and glorify God. Our light shining is, God, is men seeing us doing things that God would do, us doing things that God wants us to do, us being kind, us being helpful, us being... Uh, a, long-suffering and forgiving and all those things. God wants us, to, people, to see us doing what he would do. And so that's shining our light. It's interesting that in the book of John, the Lord says this, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Our light is the life of the Lord in us. You see, God lives in us as Christians. And so if we are letting the Lord direct us, then the light will be shown. People will see that the Lord lives there. He is our life, and that life produces light that shines in a dark world. And so we are to let our light shine. And so we are to be faithful to the Lord in all of these areas. We are to be faithful as servants. We're servants of the Lord. Be faithful. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And then there's another thing that we can do. And that is we can honor our Savior in this 150th year of our church by fighting as his soldiers, by fighting as his soldiers, faithful as his servants, fighting as his soldiers. 2 Timothy 2, 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2, verse 4, No man that warth entangleth himself, that he may please with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you're a Christian, you're a soldier. I'm a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And being faithful as a soldier is not always easy. In fact, you can say it's not an easy road. Back when I pastored in West Virginia, there was a lady there who she was a deacon's wife. And uh, often we would ask for uh, favorite songs, you know, that we, we would take as favorites that people want us, us to sing. And so they'd call out a number, and this one particular lady, almost every time we asked her favorites, she's, she requested this, and it was, it's not an easy road. Now, I knew her life. I knew some things about her life. I knew some of the things she'd been through, 
and I knew why this song meant something to her. It's not an easy road. Well, it's not an easy road as a Christian. And you can be faithful, but you all not only be faithful as a servant, but you must be fighting as a soldier because we are living in a fight. We are living in a world that's, that's uh, against the Christians, against the way of God. We are living in that type of atmosphere. And so we really are in a battle and a war as a Christian. Some Christians live, live as if there is no battle. They live as if there's no conflict at all. Everything's going just great. No conflict with the world. They just get along, and uh, they don't cause any waves. They don't get any friction from the world because in their mind, there's no battle. Well, there is a battle, and the Bible says there's definitely a battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, I want to read you this, and just, just listen as I read and see if you can't see that there is a battle. Ephesians 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all things, taking the shield of faith, where you sh- whereby you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with in all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto all, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. So Paul says, we're in a battle. It sounds like a battle, doesn't it? You need a shield of faith, and you need the sword of the Spirit, and you need the helmet, and and all those those things you need because we're in a battle. We're in a battle for the Lord. But what are the battle areas? Where do we fight? Well, we fight against the world. The world's opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that Paul said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. He said in another place in Philippians, he said, I have no confidence in the flesh. So Paul looked at him, as, at himself, and he was a servant of God, but he had no confidence in his flesh. In fact, he tells us in Romans chapter 7 that he had a conflict going on in, in his life, you remember. And he said, what I would want to do, I end up not doing. What I would, wouldn't want, want to do, I end up doing. And he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? He was facing that conflict, and he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Jesus will give him the victory. But he had that conflict, and he felt that, and he said, I am fighting against things. And so uh, we need to understand that we have a fight, and one of the fights against the world. He says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says this, and be not conformed to the world. What's the world trying to do to Christians today? It's trying to get us to be like them. It's trying to get Christians not, not to have any standards and to be like the world, to fit in with the world. And therefore, we see no conflict. The world wants to conform us to be just like them. And so we fight against that conformity, conformity of the world. Also, an area of our fight is the flesh. The flesh. 
as, as we said, Paul said, I keep under my body. He fought his body all the time. And so we need to fight because our flesh is, is able and uh, desires to do those sins. And we need to say no to the flesh. And it's a fight. It's not an easy road. And though, so there's the world, there's the flesh, and then there's the devil. And the devil is our enemy. First Timothy chapter five, I mean First Peter chapter five says, be, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, adversary, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So there is a battle on, there is a fight on, and if you're going to be honoring to the Lord in 2022, you must be faithful at his, as his servant, but you must be fighting as his soldier. You must fight against things. Now, some of us have gotten up into years. And uh, I received a text the other day from my cousin because I sent her a New Year's wish. And she said, we're living on borrowed time. And she said, I will be 81 on January the 24th. And uh, she was emphasizing that she's getting older. Well, all of us are. We're getting older. But I, I tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. The devil still fights you with the world, the flesh, and the devil. He still fights you in those three areas. And so you're in a battle all the time, and we must understand that. If you're not fighting as a soldier, you're not honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. So we honor him by fighting as soldiers. Another thing is this. We honor our Savior in this 150 year of our church by being fruitful through his spirit. By being fruitful through his spirit. This is... If this is lacking, if this fruitfulness is lacking by the Spirit, then really the faithfulness and the fighting will not honor the Lord. You see, faithfulness, that with the things that we've mentioned, of reading our Bible and praying and witnessing and coming to church and giving to the Lord and letting our light shine, all of those things can be done outwardly by just willpower. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to witness. I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to give to the Lord, and I'm going to let my light shine. I'm just going to do some good deeds so people will see it. Oh, that all can be done, but really, if the Holy Spirit is not leading us and we're not yielding to him, it's done in the flesh, and it's not really honoring to him. The fighting can also be done. Fight the world and fight the flesh and fight the devil. Uh, you can have that fighting attitude. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to make sure that I do what's right. And you can accomplish that. Those are things you do. Faithfulness, you do it. Fighting, you do it. But when it comes to fruitfulness, that's how you do it. And the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And Galatians 5 tells us the, that the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, that the Spirit lives in us, and when we yield to the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is produced, and that's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. As we yield to God, as Romans 6.13 says, yield yourselves unto God. As you yield to Him, as you yield to His Spirit, He produces in you these things, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all those things. And so if you're yielding to the Spirit, 
then your, then your uh, faithfulness to the Lord, like in reading the Bible, is because I love the Lord. I want to hear what he says. He, this is my love letter. It's my love letter from him to me. And you want to know what God has to say for you. And that, that uh, yielding to the Spirit produces that fruit of love. And it's joy. Sometimes, you know, Bible reading can become a, a chore. And the Lord says you can do it with joy if you're yielding to the Spirit. So that is very important, that we have fruitfulness by the Spirit, that we produce the fruit of the Spirit as we serve our Lord. You see, the fruit of the Spirit will enable us to be faithful because we love God and because we have real joy in doing what He wants us to do. And so all those things we mentioned about being faithful to, to the Lord in, you can do that and be fruitful in the Spirit because you've done it by yielding to Him and His prompting. And you do it because you love Him and He gives you joy and He gives you peace. Even fighting. Fighting for the Lord as a soldier can produce real joy because it's a privilege to fight for Him. But also it can produce confidence if you're yielding to the Spirit. And that confidence will produce peace. You see, it's one thing to fight a battle and be worried all the time that you might lose. It's another thing to fight a battle and know for sure you're a conqueror and you're going to win and the Lord's going to win. And there's joy in that fighting because the Lord gives that joy and he gives that peace because you're yielding to the Spirit of God. And so it's very important that, it, that we be faithful to the Lord as a servant, that we, that we uh, uh, follow the Lord and believe Him and trust Him, and that we be fruitful by His Spirit as we fight for the Lord. So those are very important. But then there's one last thing, and that's that we honor our Savior by being fearless in His service. You know, sometimes Christians do what we're supposed to do, but we're fearful all the time. You're fearful to trust God. Something really bad comes up into your life and some maybe the loved one is taken or somebody's real sick and you, you want to trust God, you want to please God, but you're fearful all the time. The Lord wants you to not be fearful. I think God wants us not to be fearful. I think even with this COVID thing, I don't believe a Christian should be fearful. Uh, I believe it's, it's wrong for us to be fearful. We're to be wise, we're to do what we think God wants us to do, but we're not to be fearful because the Lord says, fear not. In preparation for the message, I decided to do a study on the times that God says in the Scripture for us to fear not. I found it interesting. I'm going to share some of it with you this morning. We should not fear, and these are from just verses that say, fear not. There's other verses that say, not be afraid and and uh, I looked at some of those as well, and they pretty much fit with all this as well. So this is just from fear not. The Lord says, fear not. And he gives reasons why we shouldn't fear. He says, fear not for or because. And here are the reasons. First of all, fear not because of who God is. He said in Genesis 1, fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Luke 1, fear not, Mary. For, God, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'm the God who's nothing impossible for me. And that's the kind of God I am. So don't, don't need to fear. Revelation 1.17, fear not, 
Fear not, I am the first and the last. And he tells John, don't fear now. And you can read the book of Revelation sometimes. It's like a fearful book. But he says, fear not, I'm the first and the last. So you don't need to fear because of who God is. He can handle this. Also, you don't need to fear because God has heard our prayers. In Genesis 21, verse 17, fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad. Daniel 10, verse 12, fear not, Daniel, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. I'm going to answer your prayer. Uh, Luke 1, 13, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Don't fear, I've heard your prayer. Now, Zacharias and Elizabeth probably prayed that prayer years and years ago because down to their past uh, childbearing, they think. They're up in years. They're not praying about it now, but God says, I heard your prayer. And so fear not because God answers prayer. Also fear not because God is with us. There's several verses that say that. Genesis 26, verse 24. Fear not, I am with thee. That said to Isaac, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 20. Fear not, nor to be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. Fear not, for the Lord will be with thee. Isaiah 43, verse 5. Fear not, for I am with thee. Hebrews 13. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall, be with, shall do unto me. Fear not, why? Because he's with us. We don't need to be afraid because God is with us. And we should face 2022 and go through 2022 not fearful, but fearless as God's servants. Fearless in his service as, we're, as we serve the Lord. There's some other reasons. We should not fear because of what God has done. Matthew 1, 20. Fear not to take unto thee Mary, because he says, that which is conceived is her, of her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, you go ahead and take Mary. I know you have a, have a problem. Uh, this really seems a problem but you, but I've taken care of it. You know, that's often true of us. We have something we're afraid of, and the Lord said, and we look at things like it's impossible. God says, don't you be afraid. I've got this. I've got this. And so we fear not because of what God has done. Fear not because of what, of what God is going to do. Genesis 26 Fear not, I am with thee, and I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant save uh, Abraham's sake. Don't fear because of what I'm going to do. I promised you I'd do it. Genesis 46, fear not to go down to Egypt, for I will make, there make thee a great nation. He said to Jacob, go on down to Egypt. I'll make you a great nation down there. Exodus 20, verse 20, fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. He said that to the children of Israel after he gave them the Ten Commandments and the, the mount was, you know, fiery and they were scared to death. And he says, fear not, for God has come to prove you. I have a reason for this. I've come to test you. Don't you be afraid. Deuteronomy 31, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee and he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Fear not what, because of what God's going to do. Joshua 8, 1, Fear not, I have given into the, thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. I'm going to do it, Joshua. You don't need to be afraid. First Chronicles 28, 20, Fear not, for the Lord God will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Isaiah 50, 35, verse 4, Be strong, fear not, for before, behold, your God, he will come and save you. Isaiah 41, Fear not, I will help thee. Uh, Jeremiah 46, but fear not thou, I will save thee. Joel 2, 21, fear not, for the Lord will do great things. What he's saying is, 
you don't need to be afraid because I promise that I'm going to do great things for you. Should we face 2022 with fear? No, we shouldn't. Why? Because what God has promised to do. He's promised to work all things together for good. He's promised to be with us. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He's promised to defeat the devil all the time. He he has promised all these things. And Acts chapter 27, verse 21, fear not, Paul. Paul was on the ship going to Rome, you know, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, even though there's a storm and all that, and it looks like you're going to lose your life, all hope is gone. Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. I'm going to do it. I promised And then also fear not because God's host is with us. Remember that passage in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. He said, Elisha said to his servant, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. You don't need to be afraid. Fear not because we we have found favor with God. You remember God said to Mary, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. You might say, well, it would be great to be in a position like that where I found favor with God. Uh you're in that position. You don't need to be afraid. You've found favor with God. What God has saved you, hasn't he? By his grace, you don't deserve it. He's given you favor, undeserved favor. He has blessed you in so many ways. So God says, don't be afraid. You've found favor in the eyes of God. Also, fear not because of God's good news. He says, fear not, Luke 2. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. You say, well, that's to the shepherds. But then he added this which shall be to all people. Fear not. The Savior has come. You don't need to be afraid. He's the Savior of all your sins. And then one more thing, fear not because of God's plans for us. He told in Luke chapter 5, he says, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. All of these fear nots just sum it up and say, Look, there's no reason that we have to be fearful. We can face the year ahead of us without any fear. We're on the winning side. Our Savior has never lost a battle. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. All things work together for good to those that love the Lord. Jesus is coming back and he will will take us to be with him and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There is absolutely no reason to be afraid. I ask you, why be afraid of 2022? I mean, even if you knew what was coming, why be afraid? You don't need to be afraid. And so God wants his servants to be fearless. Let's face the the new year, 2022, our 150th year as a church, honoring our Lord. Let's live through the year, 2022, honoring the Lord. How can we do that? By being faithful as his servants, by, being fight, by, by, by fighting as his soldiers, by being fruitful by his spirit, and by being fearless in his service. The Lord wants faithful, fighting, fruitful, fearless Christians. And I just believe that God will bless this church if we're that. I believe that God will bless us if we determine we're going to be faithful, we determine we're going to be fighting, we determine we're going to be fruitful, and we determine we're going to be fearless by the help of the Lord. And God can produce all of that in us as we yield to his spirit. May God help us to be that in this, this new year. Let's pray. Father, I ask you today that you might make the message clear to each of us 
And Lord, I pray that we'll take it more than a message, just another sermon. I pray that we'll take it as a challenge, that we would take it personally. And we would say to you, Lord, I want to be faithful in all these areas in 2022. I want to be fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. I want to be fruitful by yielding to the Spirit and producing the and having the fruits of the Spirit produced in me. And I want to be fearless. Lord, help us to be those kind of Christians. And I pray for your blessings in this, this year. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.